Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick along with you again. It's Friday, November 12th. We have the best of the week around Jags Broadcasting and Jaguars.com. Headed into Week 10, the Jags visit the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium this Sunday. We'll hear from head coach Urban Meyer recapping a huge win over the Bills last week. The future at left tackle for the Jaguars. And the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Josh Allen, explains what this defense has to offer. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin this week with a recap of last week, the Week 9 win over the heavily favored Buffalo Bills on the Urban Meyer Show Tuesday afternoon. A 9-6 victory for the Jags, the second win of the season. And to do it here at TIAA Bank Field in such a dramatic fashion, that was, that's got to be a good feeling for this organization. A great one. And uh, I know I speak for Jeff and, and former players as well as our current players that the Buffalo Bills are known to travel well, and they did. And I was actually driving in and staying in the morning. I thought, oh, no. You know, and I saw nothing but the red, white, and blue stuff around. And uh, But I got to give credit. To our, our fans were outstanding. I mean, they our players thrived off it. Uh, that The fourth quarter, the defensive stands, you know, you, you, you play for a lot of reasons. You're energized for each other on the team. But don't fool yourself. You also play for that crowd. And the crowd was awesome. And uh, – our vision of packing this place and making it one of the destination places, I'm telling you, we're gonna we're, we're working our tails out to make this happen. All right, Urban, I, I thought the game started out exactly the way all football games should start out. The 159th fighter wing of the Air National oh Guard goodness. blew the roof <laughs> off the stadium. Are you kidding me? How awesome was that? Awesome. Well, I'm a huge military guy because my family and everybody else, and I thought they were going to take out the scoreboard. That's how close I, Charlie Strong and I looked. I go, my gosh, and, you know. But that rocked the, that rocked the foundation of the stadium. Well, and then your defense just uh, played outstanding. I mean, so many guys really stood out, and a lot of people want to jump. Say, oh, Josh Allen, this, but I mean, heck, Josh Allen, Rudy Ford, Smoot played well. Your defensive tackles played well. Everybody across the board, I thought, played about their best game. Our two inside linebackers too, Jeff, played their best ball this year. Uh, Miles, uh, Jack, and Damian were all over. You know, we transitioned to more. We were 70-30 man zone, and we've transitioned ever since the prior to the Dolphins game. You know, we just couldn't. We we uh, either made mistakes in va- evaluating what our players do best, but whatever it was, we just made a transition, and it takes a minute. Uh, very proud of our coaches, most assort, uh, importantly our players. I saw drills showing up in the game, you know, where you get your depth, you keep your shoulders square, and the ball gets dumped where Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills Josh Allen, uh, does a great job checking the ball down. We were like missiles to the guy with the ball in his hand. And Rudy Ford and the two linebackers, are I mean, you talk about guys going after the ball. They were fantastic. The Urban Meyer Show airs Tuesdays at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network and Jags social media. Now back to Monday and Jaguars Happy Hour Radio. Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, and I talked through a dominant defensive performance and a little more in the trenches. If he's not the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, I don't know who is, Pete. He was outstanding. Uh, look, he did it all. He was all over the field. I, he played. We've seen this coming the last couple of weeks. I think he's improved each and every week, Josh Allen, and he was dominant. Even when he didn't get home yesterday, he was getting pressures. I mean, he was outstanding. I, it was, and that that is a decent left tackle he was working against. Deion Dawkins That's, isn't awful. No, he he's above average. Pete, if you listen to yeah. the thirty-two left tackles, I bet you he's in the top ten. 
Tough yeah, draw. I would agree. I would agree. And he he, he, uh, he beat him up pretty good. Yeah, I thought he played really well. And I mean, if you look at it, and, and you know, I know I've given hard time to the PFF grades in the past, but <laughs> I think over like the last four or five weeks, Pete, he's like one of the highest rated defenders in the NFL according to PFF. Well, I, I'll tell you this: he wasn't the highest rated defender yesterday. <laughs> Who was that? Jeffrey Simmons on their on the own on his own team. He wasn't. No. Wow. Who was higher? I'll tell you right now. Oh I knew you get it. I knew I could get you today on some PFF grades. I, mean, I knew of, it. Of all days to not be ranked the highest rated player. He, I, I'm telling you, he wasn't. Here it is. I'll read it to you. Pro Ready? Football You're gonna, focus. Defensive grades. The highest rated defensive player was Damian Wilson. Okay. He played Number well. two, Shaq Griffin. Okay. Number three, Rudy Ford. Okay. And number four was Josh Allen. Wow. What did he grade out at? 75. And, the, and the, <laughs> okay, by comparison, by comparison, Damian Wilson graded out at 85. How's he at 75? He had a sack, eight solo tackles, a fumble recovery, and a, a pick. By the way, as a pass rusher, just to get you going, his grade as a pass rusher was behind. Taven Bryan. <laughs> well, that, that's because they're putting too much value on this on the sacks. Then. Well, he's also, I mean, Rudy Ford had a good pass rush grade. And I thought he did a good job, you know, for what he's not really a pass, but they got to grade him for right. that. Miles Jack had a higher grade as a pass rusher. Where's that coming from? Okay, this I'm not going to do this. this I'm not, I'm, uh, <laughs> We're going down the foxhole. Just for old time's sake. Just for old time's sake. Let's give the offensive line. Oh, boy. We haven't done this in a long time. We actually retired this segment because it was so horrible. But let's bring it back tonight. Ben Barch, number one of the offensive linemen. Norwell. I would have said Norwell or Barch, number one or two. Norwell, number two. Here you go. Walker Little, number three. No. Shatley, number four. And Taylor, number five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what they they know, well, I mean, seriously, do they watch the tape where they close their eyes and just throw darts at a board, and that's where they end up? What uh, are they watching? That is terrible. Incredible. That is awful. Incredible. You know what? And I'm I'm, I'm not going to go down this path too far because I know it's just it's maddening. But guys' livelihoods are based on this. Like agents and like GMs use some of this stuff. Well, it's just like when you. We, me and you watched Quisenberry on the Titans, and then I, he's the number one rated right tackle in the league on their, by their metrics. Look at the yeah, Sully's eyes. I mean, all, you have to, all you have to know is there's not one GM in America that if every right tackle was a free agent, that he would be picked first. No. No, he's bouncing around. None. Amazing. Whatever. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday airs 4 to 6 p.m. on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville and the Jags social media channels. Now to Wednesday morning and Jags drive time. Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton play a game called This or That, and it sparked a conversation about the future of the left tackle position for the Jags. All right, my This or That is Walker Little or Cam Robinson. I know you're thinking, well, obviously Cam Robinson right now, but this is long term. This is off-season talk that I'm going to bring up right now. 
Cam Robinson, the front office is very happy with the way he's playing. And I talk to Tony Baselli every week, who is raving about the way Cam Robinson is playing. Walker Little played last week, held his own, had one sack, a rookie figuring it out. And when he was drafted, we all assumed, okay, that would be the replacement for Cam Robinson on a one-year deal. I'm now starting to think, what if they re-sign Cam Robinson? And this is going to be a tough decision because both are playing kind of well and Walker Little is supposed to be the replacements. I don't know if it's going to happen that quickly. What if they re-sign Cam Robinson? Little's working on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. If you want Cam Robinson, you certainly have the cap room mm-hmm. to be able to keep him. It sounds, when you talk to folks on that side of the hall, it sounds like they're really high on the way that he's playing. Right. Um, so there's no need to rush it. Get a team-friendly deal that, that works for Cam Robinson and his people. Now, he's not going to want a team-friendly deal. That's my, yeah. But find a way to structure a contract, if it's possible. And you don't have to move on. You know, you, you've got Jawan Taylor on the other side. You're waiting for him. You know, we talk about Josh Allen's development. Well, may have taken a little longer because of the ACL in 2018. And, and it lingered into 2019. And, and not a good football team last year. For us to see the Cam Robinson that they were excited about when they drafted him and moved up in the second round to get him in 2017. I, I wouldn't just assume he's gone. I think you try to find a way to keep him. Yeah, Cam brings a lot in the sense that he's he's pretty reliable, yeah. uh, except for the ACLs. He had a couple of things, but I mean, he didn't play last week, but that, that was kind of fluky. The Madden types out there are now saying, well, you drafted uh, Walker Little, you got to get rid of Cam Robinson, you do that. You always want to beware letting good football players Absolutely. out of your building, especially on the offensive line. It would be a little unusual in this day and age to keep Cam Robinson because that was why they drafted Walker Little mm-hmm. to plug and play. But hasn't it been nice this year for you not to stress out when a first-string offensive lineman gets hurt? Uh, this team is really deep along the offensive line. I agree with you, Shalyn. I don't know how it'll play out, but I do not think that re-signing Cam Robinson is remotely off the table. Yeah, and I don't think if I felt if I was asked the same question a couple months ago, I don't know if I would have felt that way. But I think it all depends if Cam Robinson wants that mega deal or not. They're going to have to. Oh, compromise. he's going to want it. Yeah, they're going to have to compromise. They're going to have to pay him, but they can also look at Walker Little. It's doable. Uh, it'll be tricky. Well, it, if we're talking about offseason at this particular moment, your highest-paid player is your left guard, Andrew Norwell. Right, mm-hmm. who's played well this year also. But if you're looking for some room, perhaps you can find it there, cap-wise, yeah. right? Very true. And move on, because you can't have a guard making $16 million and be your highest-paid player if you're going to give Cam Robinson that kind of a deal. Jags Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 10 o'clock on Jags social media. Moving along to the defense last week, of course, defensive end and outside linebacker Josh Allen had a career day. Eight tackles, a sack, a fumble recovery, and an interception. He was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week for the effort and spoke with the media Wednesday to give his reaction. Now, it's a huge uh, accomplishment for myself, but for this team, man, it's just so you, just how we all play, you know what I'm saying? When we all fly around, when we all do our things, somebody's going to be there. Uh, so, kudos to teammates helped me get success you know I can't do it without them obviously but definitely thankful for uh, that being an opportunity to get that award hopefully I get some more you said Sunday you were excited to watch the tape and watch it back what did you see when you watched the tape back guys never quit man we've been doing you know it was just got that bend no break mentality defense man they had a couple shots yeah but when they got in the red zone we stopped them we pushed them back uh, so just, just, to, just to see us play mistake-free football, and this is, and like, and it's kind of crazy because like I know I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks, but then like watching 
actual games. And then you can just tell, okay, this team probably won because this team had this many mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Or this team won the turnover battle. So it's like every team is just like who's going like, to make the least amount of mistakes. And, you know, as a defense collectively, we, we played sound football and we played for each other and we played fast and physical all game. So, but that's just a standard that we have for ourselves, man. That's a standard that we feel like we could have been playing at, that we, in our minds that we could have been playing at the whole time. So now that we actually did it for four full quarters, consistently every play, uh, you know, that's just a standard that we, you know, that we have set for ourselves now. So high standards for us and we're going to go out there and stop this run and do what we do best. Another part of the defensive effort last week, safety Rudy Ford, who moved up to play nickel. Primarily a special teams player throughout his career with Arizona, Philly, and now Jacksonville, Ford made only his third career start on defense last week, and he had a career game. Seven tackles, an interception, and three passes defensed. He joined the Crown Royal water break this week to discuss his opportunity. They moved you to nickel, I think, for the first time. You've been having having the last few weeks out on defense a little bit more as the weeks have gone along, but there, here you are at nickel. It takes a different kind of physicality. What kind of different mindset is that position? It's uh, it's it's very like uh, I mean, it's just like corner, corner and linebacker hybrid. Um, you know, I want to be uh, physical also in the run game and also uh, be able to cover just like a corner. You're still playing special teams as well. You're starting at nickel last week, and then you go down the field and, and make a special teams tackle as well. The balance of doing both, what kind of workload is that for you? Um, it's a real workload, um, you know, but I always got to, you know, just continue to keep my uh, keep my body uh, prepared, you know, uh, make sure I get all the maintenance work um, just so I can keep going. Urban Meyer said you're the best coverage player he's seen on special teams. I think he meant college and pro. That's saying something. <laughs> so when you're lining up to cover a kick down the field, what's going through your mind when the when the ball snaps? My mind, uh, my mindset would be, um, I just want to make sure I beat the guy right in front of me. Um, if it's two, then make sure um, you know I put myself in position to beat to beat the guy right in front of me. Um, that's kind of my mindset, you know. I'm not, it's not really that much to it, you know. It's like, uh, you know, who who's going, you know, we working our craft against each other, and uh, you know, whose whose craft is going to be a little bit better. Rudy, it's your third team in the National Football League. Of course, you signed here in the off season. Your your path to this point is this, you know, considering the the defensive play of last week and what could be ahead for you. Is this kind of your big breakout moment? Do you see it that way? And and how do you take advantage of this opportunity moving ahead personally? I'm just going to take advantage of every opportunity that I get. And, um, you know, I just want to keep building. You know, I just want to keep building, keep showing what I can do uh, to help this team, help this organization. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for uh, Coach Urban Meyer and also thankful for Joe Cullen. And also I uh, thank for my position coaches and uh, my teammates, you know, uh, just continue to uh, trust in me to go out and help, help this organization. Another standout, defensive lineman Dewan Smoot. Three tackles, a sack, two quarterback hits, and a forced fumble from Smoot. And he joined John Ozier on the Ozone podcast this week. It's his fifth season with the Jags, and he's breaking out in a big way. I guess I keep on having you on because your story is so fascinating. You were a guy that a lot of people, I think, had understandably written off a few years back and just kept working at it. Has that been the key? I know you're not surprised with it. But are you aware of how unusual your journey is in this league? Oh, I'm definitely aware of it. I know I really didn't come on until later on in my career. You know, I, I didn't I didn't have the career I expected as well either. But I just kept kept my head down, just kept working as hard as I could in the off season, just thinking that one of these times I'm gonna have a chance. And 
it, it opened up for me these past couple of years, and I've been able to take advantage of my opportunities. Do you appreciate it more, you think? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I worked literally from being fourth string, working my way all the way up through scout team for about three years. So I mean I definitely appreciate it and like once I'm here like I don't I don't look at myself as losing it like right. losing it anytime soon for sure. Are you still it certainly seems this way. Are you still ascending? Do you still feel like you're getting better each week? I mean your results are showing it up, but are you feeling that? Oh definitely. Definitely. I'm getting stronger each week. Uh my hand placement is better, getting better each week. My eyes are better. I just feel like I'm 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 becoming a better player each week for sure. Take me through that a little bit. One of the things that was fascinating to me when I first started covering this league a long time ago, talking to defensive ends, I had always assumed a defensive end was about talent. And I get that it is. You can't do your job without talent. But it's much more about your technique, your hands. Uh, that's something that you're not born with. Most great pass rushers aren't born, right? Right. Right. I mean, they're most, most of them kind of – you know they work. You know they they uh, you kind of mold yourself into it, and like that, I thought I was going to be like a natural pass rusher coming out of college. I was faster than everybody, but when I got into the league, everybody's fast. So <laughs> <laughs> you kind of got to just take a step back and find out the things that you know are not as good uh, in your game and kind of perfect those things. And that's what I did. I found a signature move, which is the cross chop for me, and being able to find different counters to work off of that and be able to you know just just hone in on my technique and it's been working for me for sure. The Ozone Podcast with Dewan Smoot available now on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. When we return, it's on to Indianapolis, where Trevor Lawrence and the Jags offense will continue to look for big plays. Miles Jack and Josh Allen give their thoughts on the Colts' explosive ground game. Plus, all eyes on James Robinson's heel. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And as always, thanks for checking out the official Jags Podcast Network. It's free on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We have a busy schedule all week long. Give us that five-star rating. The Jags offense has struggled to score this season, of course. They've struggled to find big plays as well. They have only 12 passes of 25 yards or more this season. That's near the bottom of the NFL. Offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel explained Thursday. Both of those two things are criti really critical factors. You have to be able to convert third down, stay on the field, and to, you know, to think that you're going to go 10, 12 plays against all these NFL defenses, is, you know, it's, it's hard to hang your hat on that, right? And so we need to be able to find those explosive plays, something we talk about all the time and something that we're continuing to look for. And you know, we're just going to continue to work in both those areas. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence knows they have to keep trying it downfield. we got to start finding some. And that's, like I said, that's, that's me taking them when we have them, hitting them when we have them. You know, like I said, towards, you know, down the stretch, we had two plays um, specifically where I easily could have hit those. Would have been One probably would have been a touchdown. The other one probably would have been a 30-yard gain to ag on the sideline. So both of those, those were two opportunities. And then, yeah, like I said, I think when you're more efficient on first and second down and you run the ball like we did last week, if you can combine all those things, 
then that sets up some some opportunities for some shots because teams have to respect the run the way we've the way we've ran the ball this year we've been really efficient and um, but I think it's more uh, more so just getting ahead of the chains. Head coach Urban Myers said they might have to find different ways to manufacture explosive plays both through the air and on the ground. Yeah, I think who you give the ball to, who you hand the ball to, you flip the ball to. You know, Ag's a guy that every time he touches it, and so is Lavisca. So we got to be smart. Those guys are kind of big play guys. Maybe not so much out at the one position, but maybe at other positions. And I mean, I believe Dan Arnold has big play potential. And I don't believe we're utilizing him enough yet. All the press conferences from the week available on Jaguars.com. Let's move to the Jaguars matchup against the Indianapolis Colts, and most everyone outside the Jags' offices predicted a Bills win over the Jags last week, and most everyone this week is picking the Colts. On Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, Bucky, John Osher, and I got into what a winning result in Indy could do for the Jags and the Jags' head coach. Now, this is a huge game for the Colts. They believe winning Sunday gets them back in that hunt. It keeps them on the graphic, on the end of the hunt. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, JP. You like that graphic. We haven't been on there a lot, Um, yes. So they believe they can get back into it with a win that they believe they should get. I think it's mammoth for the Jaguars, JP. You win this game all of a sudden, for the first time in a long time around here, you have back-to-back beaten teams that believe in themselves. Uh, you've heard me talk over the years. Teams that believe they're in it, that are playing for something, it's a different thing. Jaguars haven't beaten two of those kind of teams in a row back-to-back weeks, maybe since 17. Maybe I'm missing one. But that's a huge thing for a team that down the hall believes that they're improving. They have a chance this weekend to improve it against what I think is a pretty good team. Yeah, John, let me, let me step in. Not only that, you talk about the team doing it, I believe this is one of the biggest games of Urban Meyer's young career as an NFL coach. Okay, because you go through the little turmoil or whatever for about three or four weeks, but you beat the Buffalo Bills. If you come back and follow that up with the Indianapolis Colts with a win, now you have all ears and attention in the locker room. And all of that stuff that we talked about, that goes out the door. Because now it appears that the formula and the recipe that he talked about all offseason, it appears that it's working. And so... If you're Urban Meyer and the coaching staff, you understand that this is a huge game because what it does is it resets the program and it gives you a little more credibility in terms of what you were preaching, the philosophies and the processes that you were selling the players. That's why this is a huge one, because if the players sense that, hey, Coach Meyer has a plan and the plan is working, oh, then you have an opportunity to really go to the next level when it comes to the development of the program. Excellent point there. And, of course, uh, after this week, the Jags are home for the next two weeks. San Francisco coming all the way for a 1 o'clock Eastern time game. That's a 10 a.m. body clock for them. And then the Falcons are here the week after that. So, yeah, things would be a little bit different. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesday at 4.30 on Jaguars social media. Now to defending the Colts running game. Jonathan Taylor leads the way out of the Indy backfield. He is first in the league in scrimmage yards total, second in the league in rushing yards. And with a decent day, he could overtake Derrick Henry for the league lead in rushing this season. Of course, he ran for 253 yards on this Jaguars defense week 17 last season, and that caught linebacker Miles Jack's attention. That's the cool part. You know, I remember playing Jonathan Taylor last year, and I remember walking away from both games being like, that kid is going to be a star, and obviously he is. Um, I don't think people realize how fast he is, like how fast he can get to top speed and everything. So it's a fun game. It's really kind of a, a game I live for, you know, a great offensive line. They've got Himes that'll come out in the backfield, so I get to cover that as well. So it's a full day I'm looking forward to, and 
that's a great team. Uh, their strength is the run. Our strength is the run defense. So I think it should be a fun, you know, comparison to see who's who. The audio courtesy of First Coast News. It's a similar tone from Josh Allen. Great respect for the Colts ground game. He's just explosive, you know what I'm saying? Like, he breaks tackles, he's in and out of backs, uh, and he can catch the ball well. So, you know, he's a, he's a great physical running back, and it's a good challenge this week. Uh, we have been statistically good against the run, and that's, you know, we're hoping to keep that trend going, and uh, we have all faith that we will. And, you know, for us, we have to stop the run. You know what I'm saying? First, if we want to have any success in the back end or just rushing the passer. So we're getting ready for this challenge. Defensive coordinator Joe Cullen understands that it's not just Taylor in the backfield. Taylor is, is, is again, he's, the, he's a great back. 21, flying around. They get comp Max, a great back. I mean, they're all, they're all really good backs. He's been a pro bowler. Taylor's a guy that can take it to the house on any snap. And he's a powerful back, so we got a gang tackle. We got to get a lot of hats on the ball, and you know they're similar in some ways. But Tennessee's more of a stretch right, stretch left, lead right, lead left. These guys are a little bit more downhill, double teams. They got a really good offensive line. Coach Wright's always been done a great job with the, with the play action pass off the run. So we got our hands full. We move now to the big question mark for the week for the Jaguars' offense, the status of running back James Robinson. He injured a heel in the Seattle game a couple weeks back. He tried to give it a go before last week's game against Buffalo, but was unable to play. This week, Robinson explained how he injured the heel in the first place and the process of trying to get back to 100%. So I got pushed, and then I went heel to toe, but I stepped really hard on my heel, and then I kind of hyperextended my knee a little bit. I was walking back to the huddle and I felt it and something didn't feel right, so I just went out. Last week I went, I tried to go a little bit, but um, today was kind of like my first real practice. I felt a little bit better. I still feel a little bit, but uh, I'm about to go in the training room right now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go out there and be thinking about my heels, so I want to be 100%. The audio courtesy of First Coast News. And finally Friday, head coach Urban Meyer addressed the media before practice, his standard time each Friday, and gave the latest on Robinson headed into the final practice day. Plus, what a win would mean for the Jags organization. James Robinson, what's your status? Questionable. Okay. Today's an important day. Will it be like last week where you got to test him on Sunday to see if he's going to be able to go? I hope not. I hope today's a good day. Okay. Or tomorrow. What's that? James looked good yesterday. Too. Yeah, yeah, 12 plays, I think. If he plays, it would would he be like full 100% go, or would it be where it's a situation where you would mix in Carlos Hyde maybe a little bit? Oh, more? we're going to mix in Carlos for sure, okay. yeah. I know you don't forecast, but what would it mean to start a winning streak? You have to, this team this have had one here since um, – I just think it's momentum. You know, when I learned this, I think it was Lou Holtz shared with me when I was a younger coach. Momentum with a young team's worth 14 points a game. You know, well, momentum with a mature team. This is at the college level. You know, I'm still learning the pro level, pro level, but it's worth seven points with a, a veteran team. So, you know, what it would it mean for Jacksonville? What would it mean for our stadium the following week? And most importantly, what would it mean for a locker room that? You know, three-fourths of those guys were part of a 20-game lose streak. I mean, it'd be incredible. And uh, we don't talk much about that. I think it's more just the respect we have for our opponent. And, you know, the best version of us is pretty good. The, the bad version of us is really bad. And then there's a big – but that's – you saw the game last night. This, you know, I've always heard this about the NFL now that I live in it. You know, they're all professional athletes. And anybody, any day, any week. The Dolphins played, you know, I fell asleep in the second half, but 
boy, they played fantastic. The defense was zero coverage the whole night. Good, you, good defense. You like what you've seen this week from your guys? No, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, good energy. They're uh, you know we're kind of backing off a little bit. We changed our schedule for them, so there's a little more time. You know, we're done at four instead of done at five, and doing some other things this time of year. The Jags haven't won in Indianapolis since 2017, a game they shut out the Colts 27-0. That's a long time ago now. The home team has won the last seven meetings in this series, and the Jags will try to reverse that trend this Sunday. And coming up Sunday, it's the Public's Tailgate Show. It's a 10 o'clock start on 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville and the Jaguars social channels. We'll again hear from CBS Sports play-by-play announcer Andrew Catalani as the game for the second straight week and much more in store. Then at noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. Pete Prisco, the guys in the booth, Fred Taylor, and we'll have the final word before kickoff with head coach Urban Meyer. After the game, join us for Jaguars postgame with Fred Taylor and the scoreboard show featuring your calls for NFL network analyst Bucky Brooks. That's after the game broadcast, of course. Kickoff for the Jaguars and Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown Indy officially two minutes after one o'clock Eastern time this Sunday. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars broadcast week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.